Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An intellectual carrot. The mind boggles. You see? You see? Your stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. Earth has had Santa Claus long enough. We will bring him to Mars. I've been afraid a lot of times in my life. But I didn't know the real meaning of fear until... Until I kiss Becky. One thing will be clear. It's not for man to interfere in the ways of God. It's alive. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Earth vs. Soup, episode 125. I'm Aaron Polyak. And I'm Darlene. We watched King, King Kong. Kong. Yep, from 1933. So we had decided that long ago when we, we kind of hit episode 100, that we were going to go back and watch some of the uh, influential films, science fiction, action, adventure films that influenced the 1950s, 60s, even to today. Um Part of the reason why Earth versus Soup, we started doing it was because we wanted to have people understand where science fiction kind of has its roots. And a lot of it came from the 1950s and 60s science fiction Besides era. Jules Verne and... Yes. But I'm talking about like modern cinema science fiction, not, not uh, literature. Okay. Yes. But we had decided around episode 100 that we needed to go a little bit further back with certain films. Um and one of the most influential films by any metric that you want to talk about is King Kong. Um, and we decided we needed to do it. We were going to wait for one of our quote unquote classic episodes that we try to do on the fives and tens. Um, just so we don't do them all in a row and burn everybody out on all the good stuff and then have nothing but like shit films. Yeah. Poverty row films afterwards. Um, <coughs> but this is a fantastic film. Obviously, it has been reviewed by more skilled film critics than us. Um, it is what almost it's a hundred minutes long. It's almost ninety years old, is what I was going to say. It's almost oh. ninety years old. So again, like everything at Earth versus Soup, you are going to get spoilers. But if you haven't seen a ninety-year-old film that's considered one of the most influential films in, in cinema history, uh, I'm sorry. You already know the the. You know the plot. It's like going to Titanic and crying over the, the ship, sinking. Ship, ship, ship sinking. You know okay? it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. It's classified as an adventure fantasy horror monster movie. Sure. And it has a sequel called Son of Kong. It was done the same year, but we haven't watched that. The budget was, mm -hmm. and it's down to sense that they have this Yeah, I'm as, sure, I'm sure. Six hundred seventy-two thousand two hundred fifty-four mm. and seventy-five cents. Okay, sure. It grossed five point three million. Okay. On the first week, it hit the five million worldwide for its initial release. I mean, that's a lot of money, um, the, especially during this time because this is the, the Great Depression. Depression. Um, it, it, the roundabout estimate that you can do for converting money from 1933 to 2022 is about 22 times. It's about 22 times. So um, that's a lot of money. I mean, if it made five million worldwide, that's and it's an incredible amount of money for the time uh, for any movie at all. Uh, so 
Yeah, five million. Boy, one hundred and ten million in today's money. I mean, in the big blockbuster sense today, our, the film the film industry is obviously much different today than it is that it was even like twenty years ago. Well, right? because they're called rentals, initial rentals. Well, no, I'm talking about how people, how the studios just basically put all of their money into these giant blockbusters that they expect to make billions rather than hundreds of millions. But I mean, if you had a movie, let's say in the 1990s that broke a hundred million dollars, I mean, that was a stunning success, a stunning success. It was rare to have a movie that had a budget of more than a hundred million dollars. There were a few, but very few at that time. Um, this movie made a lot of money for good reason. So we're going to break down the It also the plot. cost a lot of money. Well, sure. But $600,000 is not that bad, even multiplying it by 22. It really, it's like $8.8 or so. And you want to talk about... Or am I doing that completely wrong? You're the, you, you deal with math a lot faster than I do. I use a calculator. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Darlene. I was going to say you wanted to talk about some of the actors in this play thing and some of the people in it. Yeah, it's about about fourteen million or so that um, the budget was. Um, the first one is you might know her aunt, uh, that plays Anne in it. Um, Faye Ray. Faye Ray. Uh, when she died, they turned off the lights on the empire state building for mm -hmm. 15 minutes see and, and here's what's strange i think if you look at fay ray's filmography okay fay ray clearly while watching this she was very 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 clearly a skilled actress a very clearly skilled actress she had a ton of movies like internet movie database lists what 124 credits to her name she was obviously a very desired actress as well. She she was in Dr. X, which is another one we need to do. Yes. Uh, Mystery of the Wax Museum. I see on here she was in some Alfred Hitchcock Presents stuff. I see that in her filmography as well. Um, she's clearly very skilled. She was clearly very well loved. But I think she punched way above her weight so to speak, that she wasn't being hired for super big budget movies besides this. Like, and this was a strange big budget movie because it was a monster movie, right? Yeah, the monster movies at the it's time. A the first, co what's the word that I'm looking for? Ka kaiju. One of the first kaiju movies. Yeah, I think it might be the first. But um, what she did in this, this was also not her first movie, by the way. She had done dozens of movies before this. Okay, dozens. But even Dr. X is before this. So she had described her skill on screen already by the time King Kong came around. Okay, but King Kong, I feel, solidified her place in film history in a way that the rest of her filmography did not. There's a reason why the Empire State Building was turned off is because when she died, the lights, it was because that role in King Kong was so good. She did it so well. King Kong influenced so many people later on that King Kong is just something that is in our psyche as You don't a, think of the Empire State Building without thinking of King Kong either. Yeah, and you can't think of King Kong without the Empire State Building. Like, these are inseparable things in American culture, I would say. Or at least Western culture. Um, and I'm sure that there's other, other nations that have that sort of cinema connection in a way. It, it's, it's like Stalker in Eastern Europe. Like you, you, you remember Stalker and Stalker, you know, you can think, oh, well, you connect it with certain things. But uh, I'm babbling about this film because this, the plot is very simple. And, and maybe we should just go with the plot. But I wanted to talk about how good Fay Ray is in this. Fay Ray is not only good, she's amazing in, in a way that I would actually have, have said that she should have gotten 
awards, like lots of awards. They should have heaped it upon her because she honestly was top notch in this. One but of the go ahead, other Robin. things we need to talk about is um, the problems that, w- that most people have a criticism about how racial they were. You were, um, you were upset with how they treated Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yet there's a scene where in the thing where there is a young child in the village of yeah. the natives of village and they do that bubble eyed oh uh, oh black face panto kind of yeah BS. but it was with a, a real black woman but they sure. made her eyes look like it was it was it was like a minstrel type type thing that was shown yeah i there's only a couple things in here that i think are like that it's that and then the really overly broken english from, from charlie from charlie who is supposed to be like the chinese cook the chinese cook um charlie is an interesting character in this and he gets actually i think he gets some honest laughs from some of his actions because they're not racist but they make complete sense to us like this guy's the chef on board he's never really been given responsibility but when the captain calls for everyone to arm themselves what does he do he doesn't grab a rifle he grabs a meat cleaver and starts wielding it and i'm like okay that's funny but it's also completely logical in in the context of this movie and it's all because uh they the natives took Anne uh, um off the ship yes and you see him and charlie and Anne having semi-relationship because one of the first things you see when she's on the ship is she's talking to him and she goes you must have to peel a lot of potatoes and he goes, yeah. And when I go back to China, I won't I'm, have to see, uh, see, see a potato see a, ever again. See a damned potato again. <laughs> and you know, the thing is, I totally understand why they had, they were like the, the people that were thick as thieves on the ship because they were the two odd people out on the ship. Everyone else was Caucasian. I want to say everyone else was white on the ship because I don't remember seeing a, a, a black sailor on the ship. And, I don't and the ship's either. SS Venture. It's a it's another tramp steamer, kind of like what we've talked about in Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, but she, there, she's the only woman on board, and Charlie is the only non-white person on board. So they're like the odd people out, and and it's very clear. And Charlie's got a monkey. Yeah, Charlie has a pet monkey. But it's also that a lot of the people on board don't want her there because having a woman on board, they don't say it's bad luck. But no one wants a woman on board because she's just going to get in the way. She's she's just more trouble than she's worth. And you were like, okay, this isn't really sexist. It sort of is, but not in the way that it's male machismo um, saying, oh, women don't deserve to be on ships. It wasn't that. Well, and we if, were looking at it. We you, understood why they were saying If you think about this. it, a woman on the ship, every time she goes to the bathroom, you have to... There's probably only one or two. There's likely two heads. There's likely two heads. But the ship is fairly large, so maybe there's more. So you have to shut down that for her to go to the bathroom. Well... And think of us with a teenager. That's probably where the female is with the bathroom at this time. Oh, see, I'm not not even making that argument because I don't think that's an issue. Uh, I don't um, think that's an issue on this show. The clothes that they had would have taken them a bit to get to going to What it was is that these were men that were used to being at sea and not seeing women except in ports who were prostitutes. I'm going to... I'm starting with the nicer than Oh, okay. Okay. I'm I'm showing you that there are other problems that come 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 about that you don't... That's the obvious. It's that it's bad for morale when you have one woman on the ship and every man is kind of competing for her attention. It breaks down discipline. And it show, it's shown in this one, too. And it is shown, exactly. Uh, now, again, I'm not saying that that kind of attitude is correct. It isn't. But everybody, at if, the time, if, you tu- if you touched her, you were the whole crew was against you. Yeah. So... What I'm saying is, is that that the the attitude at the time 
with what the sailors were saying about not wanting her on board makes sense. And it isn't really sexist. It mm. sort of is, but it isn't sexist in the way that you think it is. On the way she keeps commenting to the first mate, uh, the first, Jack. Yeah, Jack Driscoll. Because she's getting the she's, other part of it. Yeah, she's she's obviously attracted to Jack because Jack doesn't like her, but isn't being overly mean to her. He's just like, yeah, I don't think you need to be on the ship. I think it's a danger. I think it's a problem, etc., etc. And she's kind of falling for him and he is falling for her because she is, it's, it's Feyre. Anne is a beautiful woman who is wearing clothing more, that is really unsuited, let's say, for being on board a ship. It's clothing picked by the producer. The director, uh, the Carl dir Denham. The, the character's name is Carl Denham, yeah. He's a wildlife film a re renowned for his remote and exotic locations that he films things in. Yeah, he films with lots of animals. He never has women in his films, though. That that's This is the first time, because he kept on being told... He needs to have a love interest in his films. He needs to have... Yeah, and, and, and the problem is, that at the beginning, is that none of the casting agencies want to work with him on this because they he can't tell you where he's going for how long he's going to be gone and no woman wants to go out on a ship and be gone for six months out of contact with everybody else no actress let's say so he ends up going out into new york and just finding uh well, and daryl Ferrey. i like how they they showed a woman's house you know one of those women's Boarding, boarding homes. homes that takes in women during the night because it was the great depression yes. middle of the great depression yeah. and he's looking across all of them and like he nope. shakes his head walks off and he goes to a uh fruit stand yeah and i i think he starts talking to the guy yeah, he's talking to the guy, but he sees Fay Ray trying to steal an apple, and the the newsstand guy is like, "I got you, you bitch." The fr you fruit stand. It's not a newsstand. It's a. Fruit there was stand. newspapers there too. That that's what I saw at least at first. But um, she's obviously hungry. She's out of work. She doesn't have work. She doesn't have family. She's gorgeous. And she's starving. Yeah, but she's she is almost starving. passing out on him. Yeah, she is very lightheaded. And he takes her under his wing to basically say, look, I'm going to make you a star. You're beautiful. He takes her to a cafe. And yeah. she gets the wrong impression. And yeah, she does at first. And I would too. Yeah, they don't come out and say it. But she thinks that she's basically being hired to be a kept woman at first. And she's like, I don't think I can do that. Like, I thank you for the meal and everything. And he's like, no, 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 you got me wrong. I want to make you a movie star. And I don't want any funny business. I want to take you on this trip. I'm going to make you a star. The, the reason why he'd come over that, because he's awfully excitable, uh, touchy. Um, yes, he's obviously looking her over, but it's not he's, like he's looking her over like a, uh, like, he's not looking her over sexually. He's looking her over as trying but to... But it comes off as... It the, does come off as that. But And he explains later, no, I'm trying to figure you out to how to film you. Um. And we see a scene on the ship later on with him actually filming her and giving her directions while she's wearing a very sheer gown. And the, uh, one of the things Aaron notices well, it's all in the, the bright, time. It's in the bright light. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, to justify this, this is pre-code. This is pre-code. So certain things get through that you would not see until the 70s but my thought my my thought on that one is that bras weren't that it, it wasn't the fact that she wasn't wearing a bra she was wearing sheer clothing in very bright light so you could see as though she was like a wet t-shirt contest it was very yes, clear especially the one that she wore um the, the the filmology that he was doing on the ship yeah when he was her. doing the test filming um, and, you know, it wasn't intended to be sexual at all. That's the thing. It was just that this is the costume. They weren't sexualizing her. And in my opinion, they weren't. And I don't think she came across as feeling like she was being sexualized. It was, this is a beautiful gown. I'm going to wear it. And 
I am going to act. I'm going to take direction. And she does so. And the men obviously are leering at her, the crew. Because they're even up on the... Because they don't see women very often. And here's this beautiful blonde woman in a fairly risque dress. Of course, they're going to look and, and, and ogle her. I get that. But, like, there's the first officer, Carl Denham, who's not really doing that. And the captain isn't doing it but the captain is Not like Carl, her, uh, the, the captain Englehorn, jack driscoll is the but first if you mate. take from what she says to charlie the ca- oh, captain is kind of like um He's being a father figure father figure to her yeah he seems to come like capital <clears throat> captain Englehorn. he's coming across as a father figure to the entire crew in a lot of ways he seems to actually care about everybody he, he's not like one of these typical captains of a tramp steamer that you would see in films from the 40s or 50s, where it's these guys are all criminals. They're out of the military. No, this is a, a, a this is cargo. like a legit, like a legit cargo. It's still a tramp steamer. You, it's very clearly a tramp steamer. But it's a cargo. Yeah, but that's what tramp steamers are, Darlene. Again, tramp steamers, the only thing you, you tramp steamers are not owned by a large company. They're owned by the crew of the ship, often just the officers, and they take random jobs. That's what a definition of a tramp steamer is. Yes, they're a cargo ship, but the fact is is that if you are a roaming ship that's not owned by a big company, people generally had a lower opinion of you. Okay. Now, what also suggests that this crew is fairly well off is that they have worked with Carl Denham before, at least on two other pictures before this, they say. And this ship is very well equipped, very well equipped. Not just with like wildlife stuff. This ship has gun racks of of uh, what do you what do you call them? And I have to look at it really quick. I'm sorry, crags, which are old. They're old rifles. They use like a 30, 40 round, uh, but they weren't really used in the U.S. that much, except on Navy ships for some reason because they were dumped there for the most part. But there's like Craig Jorgensen rifles on this on this ship, like racks of them. And there's Winchester lever action rifles, racks of them. Uh, but that also might be because he takes the crew into, into pretty the, rough places. Pretty rough places. And the reason why he has to get uh, Anne, well, a female, before the morning is because he's yeah. got these bombs that he created. Okay, no, no. But he can't have them. He says specifically there's enough explosives and ammunition on here to wipe out all of New York Harbor. And if the New York Harbor inspector comes on board and sees this, we're all screwed. <laughs> and they're, they're not, this isn't a joking matter. He's not exaggerating. He's honestly saying we need to leave before the first shift tomorrow. And this guy comes on board. Otherwise, we're stuck here for months in legal issues. So he's like, I have to go out and find and You know, I have to find this woman. And they are damn glad to get out of New York Harbor when they do. Because, yes, this ship arguably has more, more small arms on it than a destroyer in World War II would have. Like, this thing is... It doesn't have deck guns. It just... It can arm its crew to the teeth. And um, it does. And it does. Like, they... It, this is like a full <clears throat> marine company that can land out on skull island anyway let's 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 move on they go to skull island skull island is a island that uh the director carl denham has learned about from a survivor of a what was it like a norwegian or a or a, a dutch ship i don't know no, it I was norwegian i think um and he says look there was these natives and there's this giant monster supposedly that they're afraid of called kong and Kong seems to be a fairly well-known myth in the region. Yes, and... Because the captain and the first officer know about legends of Kong. But they never knew that there was a real island. Because the island. first thing that comes up is this is not... There's no island there that you're going to. Yeah, yeah. It's not on any chart, but it turns out that it is. And they get there. It's foggy at first. But then they see the island and... There's a village and this giant stone wall that cuts off the village. From with, the a the with a wooden large wooden door, door. So, yes, we have Kong, right? <clears throat> We're going to have Kong. Uh, and, and, and Darrow is going to be sacrificed to Kong because the, the villagers raid the ship after they first make contact with the ship. I got to insert yeah. something here. 
the there is a dance going on with yeah. gorilla suits going around this young lady. Yeah, they're gonna they're clearly gonna sacrifice her. To and I got to say that as they're putting flowers on her and that you, I got to say this this actress was doing what she was she told to scared. do. She looks terrified. Yeah. And good I got to say for a bit part, she did damn good. Sure. But the, the, the village chief basically says, Hey, I, I want to buy your blonde woman. You know, how much, how much for your little girl? Six women for the, yeah, I'll, I'll trade you six women for her. Uh, how much for your women? <laughs> but, uh, the, it's a blues brothers know, yes, reference. But... Um, obviously everyone's like, no, you know what? Uh, we we stopped this whole like buying and selling of people a little while ago uh no thanks folks but the villagers like raid the ship that night in a pretty good scene i thought no one notices that ann's been taken right before that J uh, uh jack who turns out to be john it's yeah his name is either john or jack they kind of alternate between them but that's okay that's okay uh, informs Anne that he loves her yeah that he's fallen for so they have to go onto the island to rescue Anne, and this is where they arm everybody to the damn teeth. Um, they end up seeing Anne taken by King Kong. King Kong comes out, grabs her. There's a big battle. And we have about five or six separate scenes where Kong wrecks this tramp steamer crew. Let me or... ask this question. Is this before or after Titans? What, what are you talking about? Clash of the Titans. Darling, Clash of the Titans is from like the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, okay. This, so they took the... the what are you talking Locking about? somebody up in arms. Darling, you're not drunk, are you? No. Okay. The, the, the chaining thing is is not something... Yeah, they, they took some things from Clash of the... Uh, from In Clash of the Titans from King Kong. There's lots of nods because Harryhausen, Harryhausen himself, who did Clash of the Titans was heavily inspired to become the artist that he was by King Kong. Okay. So there's many scenes where Kong is fighting the crew or dinosaurs or other animals that are living on Skull Island. Um, this is all stop motion to a modern eye. It is fairly crude stop motion, but let's be frank. None of this stop motion was topped until Harryhausen came on the scene in the fifties. So this was a good 20 years of being the best of the best. And even today, if you look at it, Harryhausen is better, but not by much. Like Harryhausen improved what was going on on, on on Kong, but this was still good. And in fact, I would say most of these scenes on Skull Island where there's lots of Kong fighting and th there's lots of composite shots and matte paintings and rear projections. The first stuff, one was the Stegosaurus. It is all very well done. The, uh, and the next one was they were on a raft with the Brontosaurus. You also it's, said... I said it's a, it's a Brachiosaurus because I don't want to give a specific species. Okay. Just a Brachiosaur. And then there's the uh, where Kong puts her in a dead tree, the top of a dead tree, goes after the guys that are walking across. And throws them down in a ravine. ravine and Bodies are bouncing off the ground. Like, it's very hardcore. And the first mate and Jack and Carl, what's his last name? Denson. Den okay. Denim, the director. Are the only two that act like a rodent that we come from and Hide go, a hole. Uh, go into a hole. Well, they, and it's not that they're being cowards. It's that there's nothing they can do. do. And I'm going to hide. And they're not being cowards. That is a completely rational. I just said, yeah. it's like us being a mouse when we were voles. Yeah. And just get to ground, get to hide. Gr hide because there's nothing you're going to do except be able to be stomped on. And especially when Kong starts fighting a freaking T-Rex, like, that's a hardcore fight. He like breaks the jaw of the T Rex. He, yes, and he does a, a T Rex. But anyway, and the let, tree is knocked down. That was pretty good. Uh, like I filmage. said, bodies are bot bouncing off the bottom of a ravine. Yeah, and people are screaming. It is pretty damn good. But let's get to the point. I, I'm trying to skip over all these scenes because 
you know, it's not a lot of plot. It's just Kong fighting different creatures or making his way to his cave. What I was saying was the true, they, in that fight, Kong versus the Rex, they knocked down her tree and that was actually impressive for that time. Well, yeah, it's, it's composite shots. It's layering in different. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kong makes it up to his cave. Uh, they, what, what's his name? Jack is able to, uh, rescue Anne cause he's been following them up there. Uh, Kong chases them back down towards the village and the wall. And this is where the rest of the crew basically has chased off the villagers. Cause at the very least, yes, the villagers have bows and spears and all that, but the they tramp have... steamer crew are armed to the teeth with rifles, revolvers, and other automatic and, weapons. And these are natives that are just, all you had to do was shoot. Yeah, and they're gone because they, they don't understand what the hell's happening. Um, and I don't blame, again, I don't blame them at all. Uh, but as soon as Kong comes back, everyone realizes, oh crap, we screwed up. He's going to make it through this door. Okay? And Kong does, but everybody, the villagers and the crew, are like holding this door closed, even, even though Kong is bursting through it. And they finally capture Kong with gas bombs because it's not just weaponry like hand weapons, rifles that uh, Venture has on board. It is chemical weapons. Chemical uh, sleep. Yeah, like knockout bombs. And they, they are able to knock out Kong and he's like, and Denim's like, hell, the hell with this movie. We're bringing Kong back because he's the eighth wonder of the world. So we skipped to New York City and to sum up New York City because everyone is everyone knows this film Kong escapes wrecks crap terrifies the populace climbs up hotel things this is the one that I wanted to point out okay. was he's looking in windows probably looking, looking for, for Anne, Anne. Yeah. he pulls out a woman that's sleeping in a bed and throws her, to the her ground. upside down yeah. Yeah. and then just drops her because she's he's she's dead not not yeah she's dead she drops like six or seven stories and like onto cement. Yeah. She's dead. She's dead. And that's, that's awful because we actually see her falling a little bit. Um, but anyway, he does like Kong follows where Anne is. I guess he, he smells her or, or whatever. And he grabs her and there's the whole climbing of the empire state building. Yeah. They, after destroying a train rail, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. There's, there is massive destruction that happens. Um, and we get to see some awesome old planes that we have seen flying, you know, uh, we actually see some hell divers taking off, but the airplanes that are attacking Kong while he's at the top of the empire state building are actually Stearman C3 biplanes. Uh, we we've seen those at Oshkosh at the big air show at Oshkosh. Uh, they are beautiful planes. Uh, Kong is attacked. And unlike in modern Kong films where Kong is like, 300 feet tall um machine guns actually can hurt this kong because kong's only like 40 feet tall maybe well these are brownings it doesn't it doesn't matter they're 30 caliber machine guns and if you it doesn't matter if you're 25 feet tall or 40 feet tall (coughs) those things are going to hurt you uh this is this is the weapon that uh bonnie and clyde (coughs) use no they didn't no they didn't that's a bar darling no these are the machine guns these are actual machine guns so worse than the the bar i think they have lewis guns i think i saw a lewis gun at the front of the aircraft so these are the worst worse than those and can blow out a car engine and and the thing is is that as you would expect kong does get hurt by these things he's slowly bleeding out he takes out like one of the aircraft and it, it burns as it comes down the, the empire state building. And Aaron makes the worst. I don't, it was not a joke. (laughs) I said, it's not the last time the empire state building will take an airplane hit because it was during world war two that, that an airplane actually hit, hit the empire state building. Um, anyway, moving on, moving on, because I'm not going to talk about the details of that. Uh, what you end up having is King Kong falling to his death. Um, tumbling down tumbling down the side of the empire state building and it's actually fairly sad because you realize look kong isn't like he might not be sentient he just doesn't really understand what the hell's happening he's been taken out of his environment he might think that like Anne was a gift to him so she is his i don't think he's like in love with her at all but i think it's just that he's been so used to having things just given to him by the villagers that this is like his he's going to do with it as he pleases 
he deserves it. He is the king of the island. He is King Kong. He doesn't know what the hell's happening to him. He's just terrified. There's all these noises, all these people running around and screaming where normally people are like worshipful of him. Oh, and the reason why he breaks his his chains is because of the flashes of the photography. And it's sad. Like I it honestly comes across as sad, but I don't know if that was honestly the intent at the beginning of the making of this film. Like it was just supposed to be this kind of crazy monster film and because I mean in the end Denim his, his last line is no it was beauty that killed the beast. It's because no, he's trying it to, wasn't the, the airplane, it was beauty killed the beast. Because yeah, he's being a showman but but still it's no, that's not what this movie, it might not be the original intent of what the movie was about, but like what the movie is about, at least to us, isn't just a, a random monster movie. It's a tale about like understanding somebody's place in, in, in the world and trying to respect them. Because I mean, it's not like they're respecting the villagers in this very much. It's not like they're respecting Fay Ray as a, a woman on the ship. Like, they're not really giving her respect. They don't respect Kong. No. And all of it freaking falls apart in the end because no one has respect for anything or anyone. At least that's the, that's the, what I get out of it. It's feel sad because Kong, Kong isn't the villain here. The villain is honestly Carl Denham who took Kong out of the environment that he was used to. Instead of preserving nature in its environment, he was wrecking it yeah in a way um yeah he was trying to display kong and like celebrate kong in his own way fair enough because he said that is a million you know i'll make millions off this we'll all make millions off of this yeah the whole crew because i I guess he does cut the entire crew in and what was a ticket for that oh a ticket is ten dollars to get in to see kong that's a lot of money like $220 each during the depression. It's about a week's wage for a dentist, like a ticket to come in and see King Kong. Like that's kind of crazy. That's, that's crazy. Um, so that's that we, we've talked about the plot. We've also talked about what's really good, but does anything not work in this movie, darling? Well, for its time. No, no. Judging it from a perspective of 1933, this movie is spectacular. Even judging it from 2022, when we're taping this, this movie is spectacular. It, it yes, some of the some of the special effects look dated. Oh, some of it does. Most of it does. I, I wouldn't say most of it. I would say some of it because the composite shots or the rear projection the stuff. The monsters looked. Oh yeah, the monsters. But I'm talking about the rear projection stuff or the map paintings. These they are were gorgeous. Top notch. Even where they did New York. Oh, the shot? That's not a composite shot, though. That that was just a, a literal stock footage. Like, and that's fine. Like, New York is, it's beautiful. It's 1933 New York. It's Art Deco at its height. Well, where they have him up on the uh, Empire States building, that is stock, uh, that is. Uh, stock footage. That it's is the, back. No, they just edit. Well, yeah, they edit him in to the shot or they built a model of the top of the Empire State Building to um, put Fay Ray on. I, I can't I shouldn't say a model. It's it's a full scale set. But um, boy, oh, boy, this movie. And the uh, wind I, would have been worse than it was. So I think I think like if I had to t- take two things that I would say are the best things about this movie, the in-camera effects that are in this movie overall are just, yeah, you can understand why Harry Housen was inspired to become a film artist, you know, a, a special effects artist from this film because yeah, the stop motion looks a little janky sometimes, sometimes it is spectacular. The compositing is spectacular. How they, how they rear project at times and keep movement happening with a rear projection shot uh, with the actors in front of it. Spectacular really really well done and the second thing i would say that stands out no crap fey ray fey ray the acting she does with her eyes the slight subtle like micro movements that she's able to do with her like eyebrows but like and mouth. i said she is a she was she was trained for the silent films yeah and this is really not her first film but maybe we should go back to 
portraying somebody at, with a the silent film at thing because it's emoting things that aren't being said. One of the things I also noticed, and it, I noticed it most when they were in New York at the end, when she's in her long dress, her long like white dress and stole, she crooked her knees in a way to actually make it look like she had more curve, more of an hourglass. Like she was able to hold herself in a way that wasn't really, it didn't look like she was uncomfortable, but it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to move my right knee forward a little bit. Drag queen in it. No, she was not drag. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like she, well, she, she knew how to hold herself. To make her curves more compressive she, than they were. She knew how to exactly move to get the most out of the dress and the shot that she was in. Even, I pointed it out and you, you were like, oh my God, I didn't notice that. The way she was even breathing during the shots and in, in cadence with some of the other, the, the men's lines that were there before she, she spoke or anything like that. It showed like she was actually attracted to Jack because she would inhale when Jack spoke and exhale when somebody else did because it was like she was taking him in it was very subtle but i'm like I, was this directed was this purposeful or was this fey ray herself just doing it to as, you don't know because don't there know. isn't no there isn't any other females in it no she's she's really i mean there's secondary women at during some of the scenes, but yeah, she's the only woman that really has any kind of meaning in this film. Um, it's worth, this movie is worth watching for Fay Ray and the special effects. In my opinion, what are your top two things? And they can be the same. They can be different. It's okay. What are your, top I think two she things? did a good job. And I really think that uh, some stars need to look at maybe how the silent films portrayed emotion when they didn't have words. And that might actually help us with, See, this doesn't even have any character development. Not really. Not really. I mean, you can say a little bit, yeah, there is a little bit of development with Jack. Because Jack kind of comes from this, I hate women, I really don't want to have them be around them because they're just trouble. And yeah, it, it, it's pretty fast that there's a romance, but in the end, he actually does care for her. But it's and probably three months to getting to, from New York to... It's probably a month get out there because they, they, they're going to have to go from new york through like the panama canal because skull island's out and out in the pacific but it's a long trip yeah it is a long trip so they're on the boat for a month and they're on a boat for a month on the way back and he probably is keeping tabs on her so he doesn't have a problem with his crew but i'm not talking about a the literal time it took for them that it felt short i'm talking about the screen time yeah it felt rushed i will say but that. i but there is character development just with Jack. Well, I would say Jack is the only person that actually has any kind of development at all. And you'd think that Carl Denham would, but he doesn't, he doesn't. It's he's still money, 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 film, 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 film. Yes. From beginning to end. But unlike a lot of characters that you would, if I described Carl Denham as he's a, he's super interested in making movies and money. And I left it at that. You would think that he was a complete and utter douchebag. But the thing is, he's not in this movie. He clearly doesn't care about keeping all the money himself. He cuts the entire crew on in, on the action. Like even the regular sailors, everyone is going to be rich on this. Everyone. Oh, he cares about people. Yes. That yeah. is, 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 that he works for him. Yeah. He cares about people. He clearly cares about people. He is interested in people's stories. But he is still a very obsessive. Yes. About his filming. Yes. But I'm saying like he's, he has a little bit more than a two dimensional mustache. And he's a, rich. No, he's not a two. He's. The show must go on. He's got the Barnum. He's, he's, yeah, and, yeah. P.T. Barnum kind of thing. But what, I mean, you say Fey Ray is, is worth watching. What's your other, like, top thing out of this movie? Because, I mean, we both mm. agree Fey Ray is, he, she is, like, S-God tier, like, in this. Oh, 
I gotta say I love the planes. You like the old planes? Yes, just, I've just always old... done. I've always done that. I know. I love the old planes too, but that was my first love affair. Uh, love affair oh, was okay. planes, so it'll always be. You like the planes? The, I always like... loved planes. So the guys that are just in the planes with the the, the Brownings and the um, the Lewis guns on the front. No, it's just, just the, the the fascination of flight. Okay. Okay, that's fair enough. You I've, know I've loved planes. Look, look, folks, we love this movie. This is a good movie for a... Re- I mean, it is clearly a classic for a reason. There's a lot of great stuff in it. There's lots of good acting. Even, like, the side characters have good acting. I don't think there's a bad performance here. Honestly, I don't think there's a bad performance. The special effects are are stunning. Like, hey, they built an actual monkey hand. To hold Feyre in, like a full-size hand. Like, that that's well, pretty they, cool. And she was terrified of it. There was... What did I say? How many costumes there were of Kong? There isn't... There not, wasn't costumes. It was models. I don't know. Because they were on one foot... Armatures. One they inch to one foot. Yeah. And... Uh, it was rabbit fur. I know that. that rabbit they had, fur. That they brushed between the single frames that they shot. But that's why the hair looks like it moves strangely. Um in some of the shots in, in the end, I think that's fine because it actually shows that, that people were really working with this, that this was a physical model. So I appreciate that kind of movement. It, it and really hair shows... is even still today with, with computers, very hard. Yeah. It's still one of the hardest things. King's, to... uh, King Kong's hair is fine in this. Like, yeah, it does move in a strange way, but that's just because there's literal human hands having to work this hair. And it makes me respect that those shots even more, knowing how long it must have taken to make each one of those. I mean, 24 frames a second. And I can guarantee you having to deal with those miniatures, those models, like in a, in a way that Harryhausen wasn't even doing. Like this is before Harryhausen. Um, those probably like a second might have taken a day or two to film. So stunning, right? Stunning. We highly recommend this film, folks. This is worth your time. This is worth your time. This is a definitely... no. It doesn't even matter if it's a monster, a science fiction, a drama. This is a classic. Yeah, for it's good reason. It's not just a science fiction classic, not just a horror classic. It is a classic. It is a, it is a piece <clears throat> of cinema history that needs to be watched if you're at all interested in if you've the watched, art of filmmaking um go, uh, gone with the wind or if you've watched um wizard of oz wizard of oz this is another one of those films you need to watch citizen kane king kong like it, yeah it, <laughs> it, it and that's not exaggerating this is important with a capital i um we watched it on dvd we had a we had a DVD. We bought I, look, a DVD, look, look, but you can. It's King Kong. I'm sure it's available in a thousand different ways and shapes and forms out there that you can get a hold of. I'm sure every place streams this in one shape or, or another. It'd probably be harder on because we can't get a hold of Citizen Kane really well. Well, we have copy of Citizen Kane though, but yeah, it's, some places might not stream. You it. might have to buy it as well. Yeah, I'm if you have to, to buy say. it, it's worth buying. We to bought me, it for $10. Yeah, it's $10, and it's good quality. So, And, and we bought it for $10 because uh, we Prime was uh, rental was four ninety nine. I'm like, yeah, I might as well buy it. <clears throat> and here's the thing. The version that we bought has um, audio commentary that I actually want to sit down and watch with you. Audio commentary that has actually Ray Harryhausen on it and Faye Ray. She's like one of the people that's speaking on it. So I want to listen to that with you to maybe get some of this behind the scenes stuff of like what Faye Ray was doing in this to portray her character. Cause like, you can't take your eyes off of her when she's on screen. You can't. And it's the same with like Kong when Kong's on screen, you can't take your eyes off Kong because Holy crap. Well, the goofy monkey face really. Oh yeah. The, the full scale, like monkey face that they put people in to like People's show them. Teeth. Yeah. Well, to show him like his, gripping them with their, his teeth. Yeah, it's a little goofy looking, sure, but it's a full scale monkey head, like it's a giant monkey head. Um, 
fair enough, but I'm talking about when he's on screen as like a stop motion effect. It's it's amazing because you're you're wondering how they're going to interact with the the foreground images, like you know how hey that that whole dead tree gets knocked down. That's pretty well done because it's tight. on her. Yeah, on her. It's really well done. Or when he's fighting the uh, the villagers that are throwing spears at him. Oh, like, I forgot one of the other monsters that he attacked him was uh, the uh, uh, the the bird. The, um, Pterodon. Pterodon. Yeah. And there's a really good shot in that scene that actually is looking down the rest of the island and you can see the village and the wall far in the background. So you realize As the ship. And, the, and ship. the ship. So it gives you a sense of scale, distance, and relative of where everybody is. It's those subtle little things that actually help build a movie and helps keep people in the movie rather than like trying to figure out where the hell everybody is. It's like all of a sudden, hey, we're in Kong's cave. Where the hell is it? Oh, it's in the top of Skull Mountain because there I can see the wall and the village and the ship and they're dis- And then you can actually picture your, uh, where he's standing as actually one of the eyes of the skull. Sure. But I mean, it, it gives you the sense of scale and distance and that's really well done. Um, we're going to babble about this film for longer if we don't stop, but it, it, it is worth... It's worth not just listening to us on it. Watch the film. Watch other reviews that are probably done by more uh, professional, <laughs> more professional uh, cinema history people. That's fair. I never have pretended I'm a cinema history expert or a uh, a person that understands the art of filmmaking. What I will say I am is a person who loves good movies. I love interesting thoughts trying to be said in movies that's why i love 50s and 60s science fiction because a lot of times there's ideas sometimes and most of the time they don't pay off but i like the ideas i like the feelings that you get from people trying to talk about the the better tomorrow the better future that humanity can have that's why i love star trek so much but with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We love these films. We have a passion for these films because they bring us smiles. That that's our That's our expertise, folks. We enjoy feeling happiness from seeing these great films so we'll we'll leave it at that uh i'm aaron i'm darlene good evening and keep watching the skies at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought thanks for listening to this episode of this week in geek hungry for more check out our website at thisweekingeek.net You can subscribe to the podcast, browse our Twitter and Instagram, and leave your thoughts on today's topics. If you'd like to give us some feedback, send us an email at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Tune in next time, and remember, lower your shields and surrender your listenership. We would be honored if you would join us. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night.